It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, Say my name, D. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Day TV Out Sports. I am D Gill, and I have a very, very special episode for you all today. I've been dying to talk about this for a while because of everything that's been coming out of world rugby. So today I'm going to be talking to Ozzy Luna and Eric Anderson about rugby and inclusion. Specifically, they are members and supportive members, the presidents of Eric is the president of the Los Angeles Rebellion rugby team. Ozzy, you're a player and a member. Welcome, guys, to the game day tea. Thank you. Right. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. No problem. So, guys, when I was doing my research about this podcast episode, I came across you all's mission, and it just blew me away because the mission part of it is to say that hey, Rebellion Rugby prides itself on the only rugby team in Los Angeles that welcomes and is inclusive of all players, players regardless of age, ethnicity, religion, fitness level, and sexual identity. And Ozzy, being a player, what made that so attractive to you? to join the Los Angeles Rebellion? Well, I mean, personally, um, you know, born in Southern California and a very conservative family. So knowing that I was gay, I had to deal with those issues growing up, right? And so Mm -hmm. sports, um, typically in the Latino community, uh, is soccer, right? That's that's Mm -hmm. what they put me in as a little kid. But I was a little intimidated because of all the machismo that surrounds the you know, community. And so I, I, I didn't like it. So fast forward to high school. Um, I started getting into rugby. I think it's an, it's an inter- interesting sport. However, I don't know of any rugby teams, mm-hmm. right, in Southern California. I'm not, I'm not aware of them. Uh, but thanks for the internet um, <laughs> <laughs> and Google search. And so um, I came across the LA Rebellion rugby page. And it spiked my interest and here I am now I think it's uh I think it's great that there's a a sport out there that so welcomes um everyone with open arms regardless of all the things that you just mentioned so Mm -hmm. it was it's it's been a a unique experience and um and definitely I feel welcome for sure that's awesome and and Eric why is it so important to maintain that type of uh, responsibility and viewership in Los Angeles area? Um, well, I think that uh, it's not just Los Angeles. It's it's mm-hmm. any community. Um, when you, you limit, uh, particularly within the LGBTQ community, if you're limited in, in the terms of activities, the ter- types of outlet that people have, um, it, whether you're coming out and new to the community or whether you've been part of the community for 20, 30, 50 years, you everybody's looking for something some way to connect and to belong and for a lot of us uh we are also looking at ways trying to find ways to get in shape to be active and to be and and to be active with other people um i think that there's something very unique in rugby particularly where it becomes a second family and so thus for an inclusive team that is intentional in welcoming all players regardless of sexual or gender identity this becomes a chosen family and that's something that you know is is something that everybody talks about is so necessary 
for so many people because obviously yeah as ozzy said you have a lot of families that are more conservative more traditional especially in california but that's mirrored all through the midwest the south everywhere and while there we've made some tremendous strides in equality and and tolerance which is not necessarily a word i always like to use because i feel like it sort of says it's like oh you're letting me breathe the same air oh you're letting me use the same field to play on oh thank you but you know everybody has the right to do these things everybody has the should have the opportunity to be able to try a sport like rugby and as we call it you know it's like if you want a healthy dose of uh beer balls and bone crunching fun uh you know and it's slightly tongue-in-cheek but it's also quite true um you know you're you're not going to have an experience you're not going to get this kind of experience anywhere else and i and i well i think it's amazing to see in an area like los angeles and as diverse as los angeles to know that there are so many different types of inclusive teams such as baseball softball dodgeball kickball hey, you know there, there's so many but i do like the fact that the within rugby it is, you know, we're one of two teams in all of Southern California that focus on inclusion. We're part of a general competitive league, uh, the Southern California Rugby Football Union, that puts us on the main stage. And it allows us to be more, a little bit more representative um, or serve as representatives um, and advocates for this issue uh, a little bit differently than some of the, some of the other sports that are more um, casual based uh in terms of their participation um we also really think that this is especially um a valuable sport for and an opportunity for people who want something that's regular that the inconsistent you know we train twice a week and we sort of browbeat everybody into feeling like they are kind of it's like no you have to be there twice a week you can't just skip out and show up and play a match you, you show up and you only play a match you are going to be out within the first 10 minutes with an injury and then not be playing for a while so right. you know that's uh, that's certainly a um a real important you know benefit to this is that that you're coming twice a week you're playing matches we're doing things on saturdays where you know it, it's just part of that rugby culture yeah and and rugby culture and perhaps rugby culture and gay culture particularly gay, gay bear culture mm-hmm. and, and sort of alternative sub communities within the gay community sort of go hand in hand mm-hmm. um i know that the one of the interesting things byproducts of having this uh team out there is that a lot of the straight teams um that are playing that, that that we compete against actually want, look forward to being able to have the what we what's called the third half which is the uh the social after the game and they like it when they would then they, when they get to play games with us on our home field because our third half is at the eagle and they all like coming to the eagle because it's a place where everybody is welcome and it's taught everybody and not just our our own community but players everywhere that they you know that this is important and that everybody is welcome well, Ozzy, like Eric mentioned, it helps with, you know, the physical aspect of it and, you know, the camaraderie that you have after the matches and everything. And part of your mission statement is that you all pride yourself on improving personal, physical and mental well-beings. How has the Los Angeles Rebellion team allowed you to improve your own personal, mental and physical well-being? Well, I think obviously you build a sense of community, right? You build a brotherhood with uh, your teammates. And so it kind of lends itself to to be on a schedule like a regiment uh obviously i like being active i like running i like hiking but when i incorporate rugby um it's it makes it fun right it doesn't feel like it's a chore 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's amazing, right? You have fun, not, not just playing the sport itself, but with the relationships that you build with the, your, your, your teammates. And so for me, at least physically, that's helped me um, stay somewhat in shape, <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's, uh, we, we can, that's a whole different conversation to have, but. Um, hey, athletes are athletes, you know, <laughs> exactly. And also I think for mental health, it's, it's, it's great too, right? Because it gives you an opportunity to come after work and decompress and like get some, uh, some of that stress off of your back. And, um, and if you have an issue, you have a problem, it's not like we're one, you know, uh, like we have contact training every minute that we're on the field, right? Mm-hmm. There's times where we're running laps or stretching and we're having, you know, some sidebar conversation. And so uh, that's good for the mind as well. Awesome. And I would, I would jump in and just say that, um, you know, I think it's really important to remember, know that, uh, you know, for the rebellion, especially um, where we are in our league, we are like the, in D4, which is considered the, the lower amateur division in the rugby league union. There's about 40 teams um, that compete with just within this region. Uh, and about six usually that are in the D4. Um, that's mostly new people. So we'll get, you know, maybe two, two to five people, rookie, rookies, quote unquote, um, that have played for another team that have had some experience, but we will get anywhere from 15 to 20 people starting out the season who have never picked up a rugby ball. And most of them, that's their first question. Then when they email us or the, when they see it, if they would talk to us at our monthly events, back when we had monthly events at the Eagle, you know, in, in, uh, the alternate universe, um, we, that, that the first question is always like, well, you know, I've never played before. I've never done anything like this before. And for all of those people, I can't tell you the number of people on the team, my husband included, who had never picked up a rugby ball. Most of them, um, you know, pretty much know how the game gets played now by this point, a year or two, five years later. Um, but they just, uh, you know, it, it's not quite as scary. It's not as intimidating it, as it looks. And, Every and so that opportunity. I mean, where are you going to have the opportunity to say, like, if you're into that type of high contact sport, to be able to just dive in and and play, even if you've never done it, whether it's in high school, college, whenever, it's just an opportunity to do something completely out of your own comfort zone. So, as I'm an African American, let's just say scenario based. I've moved to Los Angeles from Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I moved to Los Angeles. And I'm interested in rugby, but, you know, growing up, I never saw a lick of rugby anywhere. And so I looked on the LA Rebellion website, reached out to you all via email, said, hey, I'm really interested in joining the team. And, you know, I'm gay, I'm out, but I'm, I, I still kind of hide my who I am sometimes. What would you say to me? I'd say come to the next practice, check it out. If you don't have any equipment, don't worry. Let me know what your size is. Uh, I'll bring some shorts. Uh, we want to make sure that whoever is going to participate feels welcome. They don't feel like they have to make a commitment, you know, to go out and buy or bring words uh, like we could lend that to them. Uh, and I think that's really where it, where it begins, right? And that initial email or, or that initial communication, that's when you set the tone. Am I going to go out of my way to make sure that this person that is interested attends the next practice? Uh, and I'm... I want to make sure that uh, any uh, possible roadblocks are, are addressed, you know, bring water. If you don't have water, let me know. We'll, we'll bring some water for you. And so, yeah, it, 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 
and if you're not out, that's fine too. You know, you don't, we don't ask you, are you out? Uh, we don't announce if anyone is out. Again, this is an all-inclusive rugby team. We don't care what your background is. We just care that you want to participate in the sport of rugby and that you're showing up with an open mind as well. And I would, and I'll jump in on that, um, that I think we have enough players, veteran players, um, and especially people who've been around for a little while. And we actually have a particularly a, a large number of players who are, have background in mental health um, and support. That's something we, we've been bragged, we've actually not bragged about, but um, sort of patted ourselves on the back for the fact that we have a number of people who were first respond, who are first responders through the entire COVID pandemic, uh, people who are working on the front lines. And, you know, as I've seen, and, and a lot of people have seen online during this pandemic, um, the rugby group focus on mental health, as, as Ozzy had said earlier, is so important. And understanding the fact that where somebody is whether they are out wherever they are in the self-identification process, um, both in terms of sexual or gender identity, uh, that mental health could be an issue that where support's needed. And I think that, that it's the fact that not only are we making sure that we address any roadblocks, but everybody is so welcoming when you get there that it doesn't matter that you didn't know anybody. Um, I know that I can, I can speak for one of our other board members and Ozzy also, I should say that I don't think we mentioned Ozzy's our athletic engagement officer. So he's like sort of the, the top dog under me in terms of uh, making sure that players uh, recruiting retention, uh, you know, everybody showing up uh, on time to matches, uh, including him. When, when, uh, and uh, I think that, we Ozzy's done a great job of making and, and the other players of of making everybody feel welcome and and like I said um one our one of our other board members who joined our team uh, a year and a half ago or two years ago he was in a, a particularly bad spot he was out he was getting out of a relationship uh that wasn't necessarily you know something that had been healthy for him and he wasn't sure where exactly he was going to turn or how he was going to get that help. And he just on a lark decided I'm going to show up to this thing because they keep bugging me, telling me, just come, just come, just come for after all of his questions. And I remember because I, he was one, I was uh, one of the first people he met. He showed up at a, on the night that we had this giant event with world rugby um, to support the world cup tour that was coming through. And he was just thrown into it. It's like, here's a Jersey. Here's this. You're part of us now. And it wasn't until a year later that he actually was saying in another meeting uh, with uh, with some of our sponsors that that moment was transformative for him mm. because it was different. It was the difference between feeling alone and in that instant, so like, oh, okay, now I have this place to belong. And I think that there are so many people who feel like that and don't realize until they get there that that you know the opportunity to feel welcome you know if, if, if it is just a you, you want to feel a place to feel like you belong but you also you don't have to necessarily be coming out and just say you know you're not running out with rainbows and everything you know on the field you know you are you, you get to be you yeah and how much of you that you want to express to everybody else and share with everybody else takes time it's not any different than you know being the new kid at junior high you know, we may be the, I may feel that the rebellion is the, the cool kids table, but they're always there ready to like pull up another chair and let and open up the circle to let more people in. That's awesome. Eric, you had mentioned that the pandemic and 
I I feel like myself personally, my outlets have been taken away from me. I am a huge electronic dance music fan. I love music festivals. I travel all over the country and the world to go to them. Everything's canceled, right? So for you all, the people that, you know, use rugby as that safe place, as that way to get away from their everyday lives, job stressors and everything. Well, how, how, are you, how do you think are people coping out there with rugby missing? Oh, you know, that's such a that's that's an entire conversation. The, the I would say first, it's compounded by the, the issues are compounded by the fact of the time that we're living in right now. And the more chaos and regardless of what anyone's political leanings are, this chaos and this uncertainty just adds to the stress of uh, and uh, that you, people are feeling from isolation. Um, I think it's been tough for everybody. Uh, we have a joke that most everybody has gained the COVID-19 uh, on top of everything else. But um, I, I think that it's just, it's the fact that when you can't be with your family, it's the same thing as regular family, you know, you know, even the even the family members we don't like, we wish we could see them now. And I, I think that that's a challenge. It's also a challenge. Look, everybody has this, like what the, the fear of missing out. And we mm -hmm. see friends, we see, and I think it's part of this is like a social media issue where you've got, you're seeing a lot of other people going out and they're going out to the beach. They're going out and they're playing, doing things that maybe the county hasn't decided is safe yet. Mm -hmm. And as an organization, we've taken a more restrictive policy just simply because we have to look at everybody. Mm -hmm. An individual can decide to do something, but a team and a club can't make that decision just to simply ignore the rules and we actually have agreements with the city that say we will not operate until la county is has deemed that it's safe and it sucks to see time and time again that that just gets in more and more extended mm -hmm. um i you know i don't want to get into the politics of it all but i will say that you know this was avoidable mm -hmm. this did not have to happen like this and we would do not have should not have had to be in the position that we're in now where we're talking about having to wait you know, six, nine more months before we're able to really do something because that's how long it will take for vaccines to be available. Yeah. What do we do in the meantime? Um, we are trying to keep people engaged. There's certainly, you know, we've gone through the phases, sort of like everybody went through the baking phase, the gardening phase. We went through the let's all watch rugby on together on Zoom phases. <laughs> and we're certainly trying to adapt by doing social distance workouts, uh, people making sure that people have the opportunity to get together, um, making sure that that mental health support is there if for anybody who needs it um and to have a safety plan in place so that when we are able to return anybody who comes out whether the new player or returning player knows that we're taking the precautions as best as we possibly can oh. to make sure that people do not uh walk away from that with the potential of being exposed to a what could be a deadly disease for them um well. Well, I want to I want to talk to Ozzy, but because you're you're a player, right? And yeah. how does that make you feel when you see two teams in Los Angeles playing the Dodgers and the um, Lakers Lakers winning championships? And you're like, okay, there's a sports team. I'm not playing. You know, how does it make you feel as a a player of rugby? Like, damn, I'm really sitting at home right now on the couch, and I can't be out there with my teammates. Well, I mean, you have two, two choices, right? You can look at it as uh, the, the glass half empty or half full. And so I tend to be a more optimistic individual. So for me, at least I have the Lakers and the Dodgers to watch. That is mm -hmm. an escape for me. Um, I think if we didn't have any sports at all to be able to watch, uh, then it would probably be pretty gloomy. Uh, but 
that, that's the way I see it. Of course, do I want to play? Sure. Um, but I, I also know that health is important and it's probably not the smartest thing to do. So uh, I'm grateful that that Eric and the rest of the board is, is uh, taking the precautions that they are uh, because the health and um, wellness of our players is very important. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, so, so I see it from that perspective. It's tough because we, I can guarantee you every single player, if we, they were given the opportunity right now, if I said, you can go out and do it right now, you know, today, one day only, every single one of them would be back because, of course, we want to be back. Of course, we'd want to do it. Look at, uh, I think the best sport to, com to compare this to right now is college football because college football is the closest thing that we're going to see to amateur level adult contact sports where people are training and then they have a, and, and after a period of training then you act, then you're moving into your games and you don't have the ability to bubble up you don't have the ability to completely quarantine and so within college football they were able to they were at least able to quarantine or keep people somewhat um you know bubbled up but look at how the teams that then revealed down the road i i went to lsu and i was in shock when the head coach, I was thrilled last year when they won the national championship. And then this, and then when, when the head coach came out and said, Oh yeah, everybody actually had COVID all summer this summer when we were in the middle of training and you didn't say anything. And it's like, okay, well, fine. Like that's the decision college football is going to make, uh -huh. but it clearly indicates that there's obviously evidence that this is, that there's something involved in contact sports that presents that risk and even though sure a lot most people will recover when you're talking about amateur sports these are people with professional jobs like regular jobs regular and on families some of the some of the people have kids we have a couple people who just had babies new babies this year mm -hmm. and they can't be taking those risks uh you know they're already you know how can somebody a player of ours who works at starbucks you know who's already being put in exposure having to be in that situation mm -hmm. then go and 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 double that risk um, you know, on, on the field right now. And so it, as much as tough as it is, we all sort of do realize that there is, that there, there is, it, it's not like we're wondering what the risk it might be. There are clear examples. I wish that we were going to be able to be like what they're doing over in England, where they actually require all the amateur players to stay quarantined if they want to play. You know, we just can't do that here, unfortunately, which sucks. I mean, I don't even think we... America is just so you can't tell us what to do. So no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, and it's like, and, and you don't, and, and unfortunately, it's like you know, everybody's like, well, what if we wear masks? Well, you know, let, we we're gonna have to wait through the professionals and the college level sports to de determine what works and what doesn't before it trickles down into the amateur level i am pretty sure all right guys you got to take a quick little break i don't want to but we gotta <laughs> we'll be right back with the game day t Hi guys, welcome back to the Game Day Tea. I'm your host, D. Gill, and I'm talking to Ozzy Luna and Eric Anderson of the LA Rebellion rugby team. You can wear a mask while playing. Like, is that, can you imagine that being comfortable or? Ozzy, do you think it would be? 
I mean, I keep seeing, I will say that I keep seeing on my Facebook feed, uh, even though I'm, you know, I'm sure I'm not supposed to be on Facebook and like anybody else either right now, but my Facebook feed has, has been littered with P with, uh, companies that are promoting masks and gators and, and scarves that supposedly will be perfect for, uh, athletes to wear. And I, I don't see many comments of people saying that they believe that, that, that is actually true, but I have noticed that, that it's been a huge uptick lately on my on my feed okay ozzy would you be open to like wearing a mask while playing or i mean of... <laughs> i don't know, like the sweat and everything i just i don't know <laughs> um sure i mean don't knock it till you try it right? right i mean i i i haven't done it so i don't know what it's like mm -hmm. um i can tell you that if i'm wearing a mask uh all day it does kind of like my beard starts to itch and it kind of gets <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable especially when it's hot out, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but I don't know, you know what I mean? So yeah. we shall see if some, it, it, if they develop something that's comfortable, breathable and effective, oh. maybe we can give it a shot. There you go. And, and it may be that we uh, find out like by springtime, somebody may, that might be the norm come springtime. I mean, like right now, everybody's asking us to make decisions and, and, and planning for a spring that we don't know what's going to happen yet. Um, we have a good idea. We have a pretty solid idea that we won't have been far enough along. The numbers really aren't going in the right direction. But, you know, maybe there will be a time where we are able to start playing with masks, whether it's in non-contact or something. But I'm sure that there's also the issues around like in the middle of a contact sport. If, if I have too many photos of the team where people's shorts and underwear have been pulled down in the middle of a play, <laughs> that I can't imagine that a mask is going to stay on that long. All right, that is awesome. <laughs> so, so, and to that extent, that makes it, you know, attracting to some people to watch rugby, right? <laughs> and for, for, for me, though, I really want to know, how can we send a message that, you know, rugby can be inclusive to LGBT youth? Because me growing up, I didn't feel like I would belonged in the sports world at all, yet along rugby, contact sports where it seemed like it was macho, macho, and you need to be a certain stature, and, and uh, you need to be good and tough, and oh, get an injury, whatever, bloody nose, you see other pictures with rugby players and bloody nose and all that. What do you tell people, like, what is your message, Ozzy, to youth that may be interested uh, in rugby that belong to the LGBT community? Um. I think, I mean, I think first of all, we need the visibility, right? To be able to deliver a message. And I think that we're, we're headed in that direction. Um, we're having this interview right now. There's stuff on the local papers uh, about the rebellion and, and other rugby teams. So I think first and foremost, we need uh, everyone to be, to see the sport of rugby. Mm -hmm. uh, and combine that with the message of inclusion. As long as uh, there's visibility of uh, LGBTQ players mm -hmm. within the sport of rugby, uh, everything will happen on its own, right? Because you you see people that look and act uh, like you that you identify with. And so I don't think we need to verbally say, you are welcome, uh, this is uh, all inclusive. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's in the actions that we take. Mm -hmm the actions that the sport takes what do you think eric uh how can we improve you know inclusive you know, awareness to lgbt youth well i think that it's two things and um 
first is is the fact that I, what Ozzy said about visibility, that's that's where it starts. Uh, I think that you're also talking about, when you're talking about youth, you're talking, I think that that actually encapsulates both like 12 to 24 year olds. And while we are traditionally, most of our age, people who join the team are about 20, you have to be over the age of 18 uh, to join our team. Um, there are, there by having teams like this, it creates an environment and, and it creates an intentionality that tells youth rugby uh, that exists around Southern California and everywhere else that, uh, that inclusion matters there as well. Um, it creates opportunities. If we didn't have these teams, a team like the Rebellion, we don't have the ability to go out into the community and where in, into spaces where young people under the age of 18 are actually going to be congregating, where if we can get in there and reach people there, it might not be something that they can necessarily participate on the Rebellion right now, but just the sheer fact of saying this exists and you know, it may be that link that tells them, you know, hey, okay, I'm going to hold out for this. I'm going to keep this in my mind so that, you know, a few years later, I this is something I want to look forward to. It's also the message. We all need role models. And, you know, I... I will not. I don't want to make it sound like the rebellion is like the like suddenly like being put up on a pedestal as a role model because I do sort of say that you know we sort of are the bad choice bears of uh, of uh, gay rugby, but we I think we are what we represent is something just is something to uh, to um, I, I would say something to look up to something is something to 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 motivate it, it, it's a motivating presence um and and if if by be just simply being there it, it sends that message that it matters um and it also i would also say that by being out there and working directly and making concerted efforts to reach out to corporate sponsors and and having corporate relations that act really really matter mm -hmm. um that that opens the door as well, because the more groups that are out there going to places like the Nikes, the the, the Wells Fargo's, and other things, uh, other places like that, and saying why this matters, because adult sports do not get funding by corporate entities for the most part, unless you're going out there and you're trying to find it's like, hey, we'll put your logo on a on a jersey or something. It's not the same thing as, say, a youth group. Or youth or youth sports nonprofit being able to go out and, and actively having channels where corporations are just like, here, we'll give you money to do this. Mm -hmm. um, we have to convince people so much more about why this matters. But I think because of that, it tells other people who are watching us mm -hmm. that to take it seriously. Yep. Um, I think that that's it sort of, you know, and it also sends other messages because I think that what our actions um, as an inclusive team and as a member of the International Gay Rugby Association uh, sends a message to so many youth, uh, particularly trans youth right now, as we're talking, as we deal with, as we deal with issues around uh, trans players involved with rugby, that we've got with that we are standing on the right side of history we are standing on the on the right side with uh, with people in terms of equality and uh and inclusion well speaking oh go ahead I just, I just wanted to add something real quick uh i know we both spoke about visibility uh of rugby and eric mentioned role models um i think uh one one important name to mention would be mark bingham i think he's a 9-11 hero that uh, played uh, gay rugby. Uh, and so I think I didn't know that 
we all know about 9-11, but we don't know necessarily who Mark Bingham is, what his background is. And so I think when um, those details are mentioned, uh, then, then the youth starts to realize, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. This, this guy, Mark Bingham, a hero of 9-11, uh, happened to be gay uh, and played rugby. And so uh, the seeds are then planted for, for you know, kids that are part of the LGBTQ community to, to seek uh, an all-inclusive rugby team. That's amazing. So I don't know if you wanted to add to that, uh, Eric. I would say it was a, uh, the only thing I'll say about Mark uh, add to that is that it's not just that he played gay rugby. He helped found gay rugby. I mean, oh. no, the concept of gay rugby was certainly existed already, but he helped found what became, became IGR and, and this what is now a global association of a, over 100 inclusive rugby teams around the world. I mean, like right now, the pace of, of inclusive teams growing and starting at the amateur level all around, just not just the U.S., but uh, especially now Latin America and throughout Europe is just astounding. I mean, and what's great is that when you look at some place like Europe where rugby is just entrenched in the, in every community and every neighborhood, the fact that those same communities and neighborhoods now also have an inclusive team, are able to support an inclusive team, really speaks to the amount of progress that's been made, even though there is so much more work to be done. Yes. And speaking of so much more work to be done, as you all know, the world rugby came out and said that there's essentially going to be a trans woman ban in rugby and they are stating that the trans women will not be able to play elite rugby contact rugby uh, the research showed that trans women show significantly physical advantages over biological women even after they take medications to lower their testosterone they came out and said that trans women will be able to play con- not uh, non-contact rugby but elite level play they won't be able to play and then they came out with some stats saying biological males are stronger than by 25% to 50%, they're 30% more powerful, uh, they're 40% more heavier, and about 50%, yada, 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 right? However, I feel like World Rugby, like we were talking earlier, Eric, they specifically found the scientists and did all the research that they wanted to hear, right? I think they're afraid of being sued and all that other stuff, but they're ostracizing a group of people that really are just like all of us. And they want to play the sport of rugby because they love the sport of rugby. And, you know, Ozzy being the player, what, how did that make you feel when rugby came out with that essential trans ban? Uh, I think it was shameful. I think that it goes against the, the values and the, the sport of rugby, right? If we truly want to be all inclusive, then I think that there's a, a spot for our trans brothers and sisters uh, to play as well. Um, their physicality or the the difference in their physicality is no different from, you know, someone that's five foot two, 90 pounds or someone who's six foot five, 220, mm-hmm. you know? So to me, I think it was just um, a cop-out um, and we're disappointed and we've let uh, our members, our, 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 our rugby's, our fans, our supporters, we've let them know that we, we are not on board with that decision. What do you think, Eric, when they say that, oh, well, they're going to get hurt and it's not going to be a fair advantage? What, what, do, you, what do you say to people that are making that argument? Um, well, first, I will say that uh, 
I think that there are a lot of, you know, first, the most important thing is to be able to provide platforms for trans and non-binary athletes to be able to speak on their own behalf mm -hmm. and to be able to hear them and listen to hear them. Um, IGR for spe specifically had trans athletes, both from U the U.S. and, uh, and uh, Europe, along with uh, you know, experts on this issue um, who have been involved in inclusive rugby at the table with both USA Rugby and World Rugby, and I, I should we should point out USA Rugby has is unequivocal in their their support for trans and non-binary individuals. This has not changed anything in terms of how those players are welcome to play and compete in the United States. That you know the. That's something that ha has to be commended, even though it's like the bare minimum that should be done mm -hmm. to make sure it's like at least they that we don't have to worry about that in the United States. The fact was, is that the the right people were at the table with World Rugby and presenting the right issues and the, the right information, and they were blindsided. Yes. by a group and now you know i can give some sort of cheeky response about it you know blaming jk rowling and saying that that's you know and and that some of what she did actually created a larger conversation around trans inclusion and or or trans restriction and exclusion that uh that allowed this to you know sort of to that this on-ramp for this conversation to move in, in where it did uh with world rugby and they felt like as you said they found the right scientists who were willing to say certain things now i know the you know, the international olympic committee has very specific standards about hormone levels and, and bone density etc that they use from a legal perspective to determine whether people are going to play um that Certainly, well, that's that's something that is is certainly continues to be debated and looked at by researchers and by scientists and members of the trans community. I feel like I World Rugby went beyond that, yeah, uh, and did not continue to didn't it not only didn't adhere to that, but isn't listening to their players. Um, they didn't consult anybody. From the trans community in any of this research when they made these uh guidelines yeah they they listened they, there were people at the table they just chose to ignore that and they chose to move forward it's 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 it, what it does is it creates a situation where people have to fight that much harder because they realized that their voices weren't heard they were given a seat at the table and then everybody else turned their back to them and that you know that just means you have to fight harder uh it can be a very demoralizing situation but i think that um it's been important that to see so many teams stand up and not just inclusive teams but women's teams everywhere because you the women's inclusive rugby is so much smaller and and growing as a movement but trans women and non-binary individuals have already have already been playing regularly with just with women's clubs all around the world and this is something where, you know, those teams have said, you know, you're my teammate and you are allowed to play. And I, I think the only other thing, the other thing I would say is that um, you have to look at who's making the comments and you have to look at whether or not um, the, the type of people that are speaking out. Uh, is it, are they people who are actually playing on women's teams? First and foremost, if you're not playing on a women's team and you're not a trans individual, trans or non-binary individual, perhaps you need to take a seat and not sit there and, and, and use this as, as an opportunity to say how you don't feel that it should happen and how this changes the rules of rugby forever. It, you know, there should be no other point. It is similar to suppressing the vote.
Yep. You know, it's like there is never a point where making sure that one more person is allowed to play rugby and is allowed to play and be themselves and be able to play a, you know, a, 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 within with a team that's that's gendered based on who they are. Uh, you know, that's what's critically important. I am concerned, you know, that this is the growth, this, this is going to continue and extend further down the wrong direction because there are too many questions. Again, another reason why when you jump out and make some arbitrary decision that isn't fully based around science and hasn't included everybody in crafting that final decision, you have leave a lot of open areas for chaos to sort of ensue. And Non-binary individuals are, are people who are going to be looking at either playing with men's rugby teams or women's rugby teams, and maybe could potentially be banned from both if if world rugby were to choose. And the discussions are also going to be moving into you know are trans males are they does world what does world rugby feel about them playing on men's rugby teams? You know, it, it, anything that limits people is not moving things in the right direction. And I think that there is a way to be able to look at things and ensure that everybody, especially at the community level, at the community level, this should be this should be a non-issue, and everybody should be allowed to play whatever sport they want to play, identifying as the gender that they want to, if they wish to identify their gender, and. To be able to have not to be able to feel that that the choices as to whether they are allowed to compete is theirs, mm. um, and it's up to them to be able to become a good rugby player. I mean, that's the other thing. And I would also, oh, you know, one other thing I would say is that when you, as Ozzy said, you have people of all shapes and sizes. When you look at a rugby team, you know, your front row isn't just a bunch of big, huge bear guys. You've also got you're also hoping to find like the two small ones that are going to be able to sort of sneak through the pack, I guess you could say, um, you know, and, and and smaller guys who are who are fast runners, who are able to, you know, to also be able to do things. So you've got a variety of people of, of different body sizes in that front group. That that you know, so I, I really don't buy into this argument of like, oh, but what if you're this five eight, you know, you're you're a six foot trans individual, and and you're running right into a somebody who's a five two and a hundred pounds. It was like, well, that's the name of the game anyway. Yeah. You know. So. Well, I know what team that I'll be following because you all stance on inclusivity in sports and, you know, that's the LA Rebellion. And I really, really appreciate you all taking your time out of your busy schedules to talk to me today because I think everybody listening to this podcast episode will learn a little bit more about you know, rugby in general, and but also that there are safe havens for you to participate in the world of rugby and still be yourself. And with that said, I want you, uh, Eric, can you please quickly let me know where people can find more information about LA Rebellion? They want to join or just know in, in additional information in general? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, well, thank you so much for having us on here today. Um, we, anybody can find us, the best way to find us quick is on Instagram at uh, Rebellion Rugby. Uh, you can also find us by on Facebook, searching for Los Angeles Rebellion uh, Rugby Football Club. And our website is larebellion.org. Um, most of the site, you know, you have to dig through to get over to the areas where there, where we answer a lot of questions. But if you just send us, an, if you uh, sign up for our email list, um, 
or send, contact us um, via social media, we can send you information and links to videos or anything else that you might answer your questions. You'll be talking directly either to me or to Ozzy. So uh, we're always happy to talk to people and, and let them know, uh, you know, we, Give them, give them some motivation as uh, we head into whatever number of months we're going to be waiting until we restart again. Well, you all have inspired me to search out a local San Francisco rugby, gay rugby club. So. Oh, go to the Fog. The <laughs> yeah. Fog Rugby, San Francisco Perfect. Fog Rugby. They are they are one of the first and uh, they we, we love them up there and they welcome everybody. So they are just as equally inclusive. I think that, that California, I'll just say real quick, California has three great inclusive teams. The Fog, the, uh, the Rebellion and San Diego Armada. Uh, and that's, you don't have many states that have that many teams okay. in one area we always get to play together and so i really encourage like it's like wherever you are in california seek them out oh all right awesome well guys thank you so so much for coming on the game day t i look forward to talking to you in the future again once the season starts back up and get your opinions on how everything is going on Great. But, uh, thank you for joining me everybody be safe be true be you and be fierce all right bye-bye you're welcome